guys, welcome back to episode 32 of the Kit and Krista podcast. We are in different locations today. Well, where are you, first of all? <laughs> I'm in my grandma's attic, apparently. No, I'm just kidding. I am in Europe this week. So Wonderful. International podcast recording, which is very Outstanding. exciting. Um, well, it's finally time. We have the been big week. talking about this for weeks now, which is our long-awaited interview with Reggie, the one and only, where we asked him all of your burning questions. And we had some burning questions of our own too, but we spent a really um, long time with Reggie and and he answered all of the questions. It's exciting. Yeah, this this turned out really well and we'll be getting to that shortly, but we got some some news from the top, some stuff to touch upon here. Oh, First, or maybe I should top. say, you know, Welcome to the uh, Kit and Krista podcast, or maybe just the the former Nintendo employees podcast, which is oh. how, how most people know us these days, I guess. Former Nintendo employees. Yeah. Lost, Keep it locked for all yourselves. your Nuzlocke challenge news. <laughs> I can't wait to do uh, IRL Nuzlocke challenge now, though. I'm really excited about it. I that. think we have to do it now. We're, we're bound. I have been wanting to do this for a long time, so I'm glad we're finally. Who's going to stop us now? Somebody's going to like kick in the door as we're like doing this. The you international European committee, yeah, come through the window <laughs> of, this, of this attic room. Yeah. Um, but yes, that was that was a fun a fun weekend. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, we are very excited that everything on this channel is made possible by our wonderful Patreon family. If you're not a subscriber to our Patreon yet, consider joining. We have tons of really cool exclusive content, bonus Q&As. You get um, access to our exclusive Discord server, which was a buzz with conversation this weekend about Nuzlocke. <laughs> it was very fun. But yeah, the link is right here. Patreon.com slash Kit and Krista. Please join us. It's very fun here. Um, it continues to be quite busy for us last week into this one. Uh, last week, we, of course, had our Nintendo Direct reactions. Yes. And um, we're going to be getting into revisiting some of those things that we've now looked at in, in greater detail or had some time with in the news today. But if you want to see our snap reactions, you can watch that. Yeah. Um, we also had a really incredible, dare I say, episode of Super Kitten Krista 64 uh, that is out now which is our Splatoon cooking challenge. We've oh really my. done a lot with Splatoon. We did the rap battle, and then we've moved straight from rapping to cooking. Speaking of the rapping, fun. look at what I'm wearing today. Can you see this? It's a shirt with your face on it. You're wearing your own is face. It, is it a sign of narcissism to wear a shirt with one's no. own face on it? I don't think not it is. If, not if no. one, is, one is in a squid hat knitted by... The one and yeah, only not, Kevin. Not Kevin if you wrote Cassidy's a song mother. that went to the top of the charts, it isn't. <laughs> Your own merch. I'm number one. We do, we do have the merch available, yes. by the way. If you want, <laughs> if you if you want to wear a shirt with Kit's face on it. The cooking, though. Um, I will not spoil who won or did not win if you haven't seen it yet. But I just do want to revisit, like, I feel I expected you to go harder. So we had to choose some special ingredients. Yes. That, you know, Mystery embodied ingredients. embodied Splatoon, embodied this challenge that we were doing. I you kind of I felt like you kind of held back a little bit and I want to know why. You mean I held back on giving you like just some really tricky stuff, yeah. Like you didn't give me like marshmallows, a gooey duck and like some Twizzlers, <laughs> you know? 
Ew. Well, you know, my concern was is that this is my mother's first appearance in That's one true. of our videos. And she was the um, taste judge. So I was really afraid that you were going to make something disgusting that she was going to vomit up. So I, how dare you? First of so all, I, I just I, I didn't want to put her through that. I really I really did it. Wow. <laughs> I didn't want her to like turn her off from ever showing her face on one of our videos ever again. So I, then, I do think I you did not hold back and gave me some very tricky ingredients to work with. But I think you you got a little bit luckier. I didn't give you as as difficult. Lucky, I see. Uh, we both luckier. did an excellent job. Um, it came down to the wire with our superstars, our Patreon super superstars voting, which has proven to be a little controversial. They're feeling some very heat. controversial, which is right. very interesting. The superstars again is a very select group. They were also kind of part of the planning. Of the episode, which was really fun. So they helped kind of come up with a list of mystery ingredients. But then when the episode um, released for early access to some of the other Patreon members that we have, some disagreement yeah. about the judging from the superstars. Uh, I'm just going to say, if, if we do this again, and I, and I would love to for a different game, we're doing it at my mother's house this time. We're doing it on my home turf. So, you know, <laughs> heaven forbid you have some more uh, fears about me cooking puke-worthy food. I'm afraid to make your mother puke, so hopefully you don't wow. go hard on mystery ingredients. Oh, I can't like, believe to not it. have that bad impression on our mothers, but, you know, that's just me. <laughs> uh, but coming up in uh, a couple days just from now on uh, Super and Krista 64, we did a very fun um, Nintendo 64, not to be confused with ourselves, uh, scavenger Whoa. hunt. This was a brilliant idea by you. So oh. basically what we did was we found, we, we wrote clues for each other to find certain items or characters or things within the first five minutes of the Nintendo 64 games in the NSO. And um, it turned out to be both fun, hard, and maybe a, a stressful experience for you because you had to watch me struggle through some of the challenges. And I, I think it might've broken you. Inside. I'm not going to lie. I almost pulled my hair out in a few spots. Now see the equalizing <laughs> factor was that we were doing it in Nintendo switch online. So there's only like 20 games. Right, so you could, right, you right. could definitely prep. It's only the first five minutes of these 20 games. You can definitely yeah. prep, but there were a few times where I was just like, you have to, what, what is happening right now? I just couldn't believe what was happening. Look. <laughs> what? I don't know. I'm looking. There are some issues with some of the <laughs> controls, I would say. Some oh, of these the controls. All right, all right. Super all right. intuitive, I will say. Next time, I'll um, be sure to give you a uh, authentic Nintendo 64 controller so we can get over the hump on that. Exactly. I'm going right. to need to have, like, better... I don't know. Just... I don't know. That, that was definitely... Kind of embarrassing for me. But anyways. <laughs> Good thing you edited out the most embarrassing parts. Um, uh, I need I final not. cut. I have final cut on these videos. I did not edit out You edited it out. You took the shears part. to it. I couldn't believe it. What do you mean? I, need, I need kept the, in all of the parts where you yelled at me for not figuring it out. Hashtag release the kit cut. People want it in black and white. <laughs> it's five hours it's like, long. It's like seven hours long. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um... 
Also in the world of uh, oh stuff we've gosh. released recently, we have finished, can you believe it, our Splatoon no. single-player playthrough. That was really... Ten parts. I was going to say, that was really like a marathon of of playthrough videos. And we actually skipped quite a few, a lot, I would say, of some of the levels um, before we got to the end. And so there's quite a bit of game left. And, and we might, we'll be talking about it a little bit in the games we're playing section. But... Yeah, all 10 parts available now. If you are playing through the Splatoon single player and you want to see our reactions to it, it's there for you. Well, we almost got ourselves into a jam because we didn't know how long this was. And you were leaving on this trip for Europe, so we needed to finish it. And it was like literally the night before. And we ended, we just did like a marathon session that was like hours and hours and hours long so that we could finish this game. Yeah. I was feeling some heat as the person playing. I was like, I got to do this. You, I could tell like towards the very end, that final sort of that final hour or so of game, gameplay, you were definitely getting pretty tired. I could tell. So I kind of, bad, I kind of felt a little bit bad for you. Oh, well. But yeah, we'll be talking tired. about uh, our thoughts on that and the games we've been playing. And uh, there's one last thing before we move on. This is a little tease of something that you all can look forward to uh, very soon, actually, depending on when you're watching or or listening to this podcast. It might already be out. But um, we got to go to an event uh, by Ubisoft to see Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope. And we got to play the game, got to play a really big chunk of the game. Mm -hmm. And uh, we will be doing a separate dedicated video with our impressions and a look at all of that. Again, depending on when you're checking this out, it might be out now. So look look that up on our YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. Excited to share um, our impressions with you guys from that event. All right. Before we get into the big, chonky Reggie interview section, uh, we have a word from our sponsor, which is BetterHelp. Um, we've talked about BetterHelp for a couple of weeks now. We've each had um, some good, I think, some good updates with our own BetterHelp experience. I was going to say, um, I think we've both uh, started and had some sessions. Exactly. So BetterHelp, if you guys don't know, is um, you know online therapy. It helps you um, just easily have access to therapy. Um, and it's really easy. You know, you go in, you build out sort of a profile. They ask you some detailed questions about, um, you know, why, why you're, you're seeking therapy and then they match someone, um, to you, a therapist, uh, within a very short period of time. So it's, it's super accessible. It's really affordable and it's all entirely online, which is just really great. So how have you been doing with yours? Uh, it's been wonderful. I've I've done a couple. Um, you know, the first session was very much like getting to know each other. And right. I was wondering, you know, it was like, is the person going to identify some things that they want to focus on? Uh, but it really was, you know, the, the question being turned to me of, well, what, do you, what is important to you and what do you want to focus on? So we identified a few mm-hmm. things there. One thing I really liked was at the end of the session, the therapist said, okay, I have uploaded these couple, you know, reading materials um, to your profile. So immediately those were there for me to check out and they were good just sort of follow-ups to the things that we had been talking about. Yeah, yeah, I really like that as well. I had a similar experience with my therapist and it was um, just really great to have someone just kind of be so attentive and just listen, which I, I found to be really, 
really nice and really helpful. Um, you know, the therapists are all really, uh, you know, really great and matched to you. But if you want to switch, you can also switch at any time, which is, which is nice. And I, I think that's important to find someone that you have um, a relationship with that you can build trust with. So it, it's nice that it gives you all these different options to, to find that person. Yeah, we talked about that process before of, of finding your therapist and everything that it asks you to input. I, I felt like it was a perfect match for me. And again, if I was doing this, you know, the, the old school way, I don't know how I would in such detail find somebody who is aligned to what I was looking for. Exactly, exactly. All right. So when you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can be the, be, can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash Kit and Krista today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Kit and Krista. We'll put the links here and in the description. All right. I think it's time. For the Reginator? For the big Reggie segment. All so right. Here it is. Enjoy, everybody. All right. Well, no introduction needed, but we're here finally with... Reggie, our favorite person ever, and um, we're so excited to have you on the Kit and Krista podcast. Well, I'm thrilled to be with you. You know, there were early rumors that I was going to be the first guest. You are the first oh. guest. I'm not the first You guest. are. You are. We've been waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> so the 30 episodes so far don't count. You're going to make this the very well, first I mean, episode? I mean, we're guests well, for we're each guests other. we're guests for each other, but, I suppose. Yeah. I, but oh. an outside guest. So I'm the first outside guest? Yeah. Yes. Wow. We, We've wanted, been... we wanted you to be and, the first And here one. I was. I was going to actually have some fun, you know, the fact that I hadn't been the first guest, but, you know. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm honored. Oh my gosh. We're Wonderful. honored. Yeah. We're so happy to have you here. It has been a long time since we have seen you. I think it was, the, we saw you at a Game Awards, maybe 2019. Probably yeah. 2019. I think that was the last time. Yeah. 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 yeah it's been a long time. Lots happened. A lot, a lot has happened. Different. <laughs> a lot has happened for you both. A lot has happened for me. For all of us. I know. Yeah. Yeah. We're all in, in different places in life now, which right. is interesting to, to look back on yeah. for sure. Well, for starters, to kick off this conversation, your book came out a few months ago. We read it immediately, yes. loved it, would love to so just good. hear how it's been going and what you've been thinking of the reception. Well, uh, the reception has been phenomenal. Um, I was a, uh, a bestseller in the first week that it came out, which was candidly a bit shocking. Uh, I mean, I, I knew that there was some anticipation for the book. I knew that uh, there was, especially amongst the gaming community, a, a, a real high level of excitement. But to be a bestseller, first-time author, was, um, was positively shocking. The other piece that really has been uh, overwhelming is the number of five-star reviews that I'm mm -hmm. getting across all of the purchasing platforms. Yeah. So last time I checked, I have over 750 five-star reviews. And what's interesting there is I had a conversation with my publisher. My publisher is a big-time publisher, right? HarperCollins, they, they publish uh, for really high-quality authors. And I shared with them you know, that I had this number of five-star reviews. You know, What do we do with it? And the response was, you know, we've never worked with an author in, in this space, in this kind of business memoir space with that many five-star reviews. Wow. So wow. that feedback is is also incredibly positive. NBDB, one of your favorite Never been terms. done Never before. Been done. Purple cow. Is Purple one you. could say. 
Exactly. So yeah, so it's uh, never been done before. Yeah, yeah. That's so exciting. And we, of course, you know, I, I was just saying that I love the audio version. I would say to everyone, if even if you have the physical book, I would say buy the audio book and just listen to it again because you read it and to hear the book, to hear you read you know, all of these wonderful lessons and memories and share that in your own voice was such a cool experience. And I would just look forward to going out for a walk and listening to and, your and, voice. And hearing, hearing my voice yeah. in, your, in your head again. The, the dulcet tones. Uh, I love it. It's, yeah. It was wonderful. It, it, um, re reading the book was really special. Uh, and, you know, writing it certainly brought back all of these great memories. Mm -hmm. But then reading it, you know, drove it home even more. I mean, I have to say... When I, I told the story that's in the first chapter um, about Mr. Wada and yeah. his passing, I choked up a little bit yeah. during that uh, during that reading because it brought all of those emotions back. You can tell, like in in the way that you read it, it was so heartfelt, and yeah. it just really, you know. And we knew both of you, so for me, it was really interesting to just hear that story. Um, from you know, read to me by you, and it was just like a really like authentic, special experience. Well, th thank you for that. The the bonus content is also yes. fabulous. Yes. Uh, with my good friend um, Jeff Keeley. Yeah. Who? Uh, who? I'm not familiar with that. Name. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but the the bonus content is phenomenal as well. So yes. please do please do yes. pick yes. up the uh, the audio book as Get well. Get all the versions. That's, get all that's of them. And you signed our books earlier today. I know. We'll, we'll share Wonderful. a photo of that. Yeah. But it was so nice to get us. Finally get your... I was waiting for this moment to bring the book so you can sign it. So. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're able to get together um, and, and have this opportunity. Yeah. So today we're doing 10 burning questions with you, Reggie. I don't know why they're burning. They just are. Yeah. They're hot. They're, they're hot. always hot. Um, just like an NCL email. It is yeah. hot. hot. <laughs> <laughs> Two exclamation marks. So we have... Five questions that the two of us have prepared, and mm -hmm. then we have secured five more questions from our wonderful Patreon subscribers. Yeah. Maybe you can tell the difference. Maybe you can. <laughs> <laughs> um, but our first question is one from the two of us, and it's about your retirement. Mm. We experienced your retirement while we were at Nintendo from our own perspective, but it'd be great to hear what it was like for you, and how did you know that it was time to retire? And more broadly, this is something that we talk about a lot is... How do you? How did you come to the decision to leave? What was your dream job essentially? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, for me, you know, we we just touched on uh, Mr. Wada's passing, and for me, that was really the beginning of thinking about my personal journey and what it was that I wanted to accomplish. You know, Mr. Wada passed uh, as a very young man. And I didn't want to have time go by where I hadn't done the things that I personally wanted to do in touching the lives of others in a positive way. So that was the beginning, the, the first moment for me to say, you know, what am I, what, what will be my focus after Nintendo? And you know, just like I, I've challenged the two of you at different right. points of your own career. You know, it starts with what's the vision, right? What is that thing that you want to accomplish? And for me, my vision is I want to empower, encourage the next generation of leaders. And whether it's leaders in the gaming community, uh, leaders in, in other communities, 
um, whether you're an established leader or just beginning your journey, I, I wanted to influence and touch as many people as possible. So that's where the passion for my public speaking comes from. That's where my passion for board service comes from. That's where the book came from. And there was a recognition that I couldn't do those things right. while still being employed at Nintendo of America. And it's, it's a time issue. Yeah. Being president of Nintendo of America truly was a 24-7 job. Yeah. You know, in, engaging with our company uh, in the Americas, engaging with Europe, engaging with our parent company in Japan, you know, that truly is 24 hours, right? right? Uh, at the early part of our business day here in the, the West Coast, I'd be having conversations with Nintendo of Europe. We would do our business, mm -hmm. and then I'd have uh, video conferences with NCL. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, emails would continue to flow. So that was the recognition that in order for me to do these other things where I have a tremendous amount of passion, where, where it truly is the next stage of my activity, I needed to retire. And so then the only question was, what's the right time? Mm -hmm. And I wanted to leave the company on a positive inflection point. I wanted the leadership to be in place. The both of you were not with Nintendo at the time, but when I joined the company in 2003, you know, the company was in a tough position, and in part because there had been a significant number of retirements at Nintendo of America, and the new management team hadn't yet gelled and, and really hadn't uh, been able to take the business to the next level. Mm -hmm. you know, it was also the time of GameCube, which was uh, not uh, doing as strongly as anyone hoped, and, and certainly the PS2 was dominating that that generation. And so I had lived through what happens when an executive or an executive team transitions and the business isn't set, the leadership isn't set. So that was the other piece, is I, I needed the business to be on a positive upswing. I needed the leadership team to be ready. And one of the things that I'm so proud of is Yes, the switch has been a success, but it was it was a success as I was as I was retiring. But I I was thrilled that we were able to backfill my position, backfill other positions, without having to hire people externally. Mm -hmm. So that meant yeah. that the the management team had grown and, and was ready to progress. Yeah. One of the things that stood out from your retirement was that great video that you put out saying farewell to all the fans, and I think that speaks to your stature as you know, one of the faces of Nintendo. And I'm right. curious, in our next question, as you came to take that position, did you ever get any pushback from anybody saying, hey, how come this guy or this is getting out of control? Yeah, so the role that I played with the company, re really as one of the three main uh, public faces between myself, Satoru Wada, Shigeru Miyamoto, uh, first, it was unplanned. Yeah. You know, when, when I was hired, you know, Mr. Wada didn't say, you know, and, and Reggie, I want you to be ready to be one of the key faces of the company. No, it happened over time. And it, it happened because first, there was a tremendous amount of confidence that the leadership at NCL had in me. 
Uh, it happened because it was clear that I had a passion, not only for our content, but for a, a passion for the overall gaming community. And the fact that I had some skill in being able to communicate with our fans and communicate really with all of our business partners. So the publishing community, uh, our retailers. So it, it was an unplanned occurrence that really took advantage of all of my skills and everything I brought to the company. So because it was unplanned and because it, it essentially grew over time, there was never any pushback, there was mm -hmm. never any concern, it just was what it was. It just felt so natural. It, and, and it's because it was. Right. Um, it, it was something that was completely unplanned. And you know, as it, as it continued to, to grow, you know, that's when all the fun videos happened. And, and again, all of these interactions were just so clearly from uh, the heart and from a positive place yeah. that, uh, that it continued. Yeah. Right. And we hear from a lot of fans who are sort of yearning for that era of Nintendo where you, know, you and Mr. Iwata were so visible and other developers were out there mm -hmm. doing things. And I think the, the feeling now is the company's pulled back from that a little bit. Do you think there would ever be a scenario where the company is more you know, developer focused and getting those people out there to talk about the games in the way that only they can? I, I think there's a couple different things going on. I mean, first, you know, developers have been active and out front you know, I, I can I can recall uh, you know early in 2000, 2000 uh, excuse me uh, 2020, 2021, you had Mr. Koizumi out there uh, mm -hmm. doing a lot of video based activity. You had Mr. Takahashi out there doing a lot of video based activity. So I I don't think the issue is that there's been a decision not to have the developers out front. You know, I think COVID upended the world, right. uh, and it, I, I think it made it more difficult for NCL to create opportunities to have the developers be out front and communicating you know, all of the great things about their content and, and the ongoing activity. Um, I also think that you know, what happened with my role with the company was a moment of time need and the world has moved on. And so I, I think the fan base may be asking the wrong question in terms of will there ever be a time when the developers are out more in front? I actually think the question is, you know, in the here and now, how is Nintendo going to engage with the community? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure the company's thinking about that. Uh, but to me, I think that's the question of you know, how will the company engage with this passionate community uh, and do it in an effective way now uh, because that needs to happen. And I, I think in, in framing the question that way, I do think it is fair to say that for a variety of different reasons, I don't think the company has been as engaged with the community. And again, there haven't been these types of uh, uh, fan-based events. It's only you know, happening now. Um, but I think that's the challenge. Yeah, yeah. We'll never move beyond you, Reggie. That's right. I mean, the, <laughs> we'll always be here. The uh, Reggie, Mr. Awada, like fight to the to the end video will live on. In we have a question about that later. Oh, good. Let's save that good. for later. Yes. 
We have two, two more kind of like meaty business leadership questions that we want to ask before we get into our Patreon questions. The first is about unionization, mm -hmm. which has been a popular topic of conversation. Frankly, wasn't really a topic that we spent a lot of time talking yeah. about at Nintendo, but right. more recently has been. Mm -hmm. As these companies have these conversations around unionization, what do you think are the benefits and some pitfalls, honestly, mm -hmm. that they should look out for to make the right decision? Yeah, so again, I think, I think the issue is different. And what I mean is, as an employer, there are certain things you need to do for your worker. The first thing is you need to be providing what I would call economic stability, right? It's a job, it's a paycheck, regular hours. Uh, that is a core requirement. Second core requirement is what I would call economic mobility. And what that means is whether it's within that company or whether it's within an industry, your ability as an employee to take your skills and your knowledge and either grow within the company or to go elsewhere and leverage those skills, you know, that's a key role that an employer provides. And then the third thing is uh, a level of respect in the work that you do. Mm -hmm. The company needs to respect you as, your individu as an individual and, and everything you bring to work. I would argue when one of those elements, at least one of those elements are violated, that's when there's a need for an external environment like a union to rectify the issue. Right. And so if, if you look at examples in the gaming industry where unions have been fought for and have been acknowledged, one of those three things wasn't happening. Right, uh, employees either were uh, not getting uh, their regular hours. There was a level of of uh, undue flexibility required, mm -hmm. where an employee felt they had lost their quality of life, or they felt that we they weren't being paid an accurate uh, and uh, an affordable wage, um, or the company was taking advantage of the employee in some way, shape, or form. Right. Uh, so those are the issues that I see. And so, you know, in that context, a union per se isn't good or bad. And I've worked in environments that have had unions. I work on boards that have active union activity. So unions are not good or bad. The issue is what is the work environment that's being provided? And if one of those three things isn't being provided, then you have an issue. And then you have a situation where potentially the right thing is for the union to step in mm -hmm. and to make sure that that issue is addressed. Mm. Yeah. That's a really interesting way to break it down to those three topics. Yeah, and, and you know, I think it's fair to say, at least my time within the company at Nintendo of America, there wasn't talk of unions because we were delivering on those three yeah. right. core topics. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, who, unclear what's going on there today, I'm, I'm three years removed, but you know, I would offer that those are the three things that need to be really thought about from mm -hmm. a management perspective. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last question before we get into the Patreon questions is around all this consolidation, the mm -hmm. acquisitions that we're seeing. It's like almost every week there's some, some big new company, acquisition. Yeah. Um, and Quiet. I'm curious to hear your perspective on this 
And if, if you were in the position of leading one of these companies that was considering an acquisition, would that be the best way to work together with this company? Because I think of Nintendo, who has longstanding alliances mm -hmm. with companies like, look at all the games that Koei Tecmo sure. has helped Nintendo to develop. Mm -hmm. They haven't purchased Koei Tecmo. So I'm curious from your perspective, how do you weigh the benefits of, of going to that extreme measure of acquiring a company? Well. First, in the gaming space, you know, content is created by individuals. And you know, I, I think when you consider acquisitions, you really need to fully consider what is it that I'm acquiring, mm -hmm. right? What's the talent base or skill base that I'm acquiring? And how do I make sure that that talent and skill base stays with the new acquired company versus leaves? And you know, that's, that's the, the first thing I would really consider within this gaming space and how you manage an effective acquisition. Because if you're not going to have the key people stay who have all of this knowledge, have worked on potentially all of these wonderful games, if they're not going to stay, then all you're buying is an empty shell. It's like a shell, yeah. And, uh, and that is not an effective, uh, effective acquisition. It does like uproot the core of that particular company as well when you go through an acquisition. So not having that foundation in place would be pretty tough. It would be. You know, I do think in some of the recent acquisitions, I could actually see a really strong, positive, strategic case for the acquisition. You know, take, uh, take two and Zenga, right? Mm -hmm. Take two, all of these wonderful franchises, but they've really never had any strength in mobile. Well, Zenga is all about mobile. So now if I can combine those strengths you know, maintain the individuals and that, that uh, inherent knowledge to leverage all of this, it could be incredibly positive. Mm -hmm. But you know, those key steps have to be taken. You right. gotta retain all of that talent and you have to, uh, to bring it to bear. Um, I, I personally believe that an outgrowth from all of these current acquisitions is going to be another huge wave of of really strong indie developers. Mm. Mm -hmm. And the way I get to that point is, you know, for, for people who are caught up in a merger or acquisition, for them, you know, continuing to do the same thing or taking their talents and applying it to some other franchise may not be what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And instead, they've got a piece of creative content, a creative idea stuck in the back of their head that they're going to go take and do themselves. Yeah. They're gonna go take that risk to bring a new piece of IP into the marketplace. And I think we're gonna see that. I think we're gonna see a number of senior developers who may do quite well financially as the merger is consummated, but then wanna go off and create their own new piece of content, create their own new great intellectual property, and it's gonna fuel another wave of fantastic indie developers. I do believe that's gonna happen. I hope that's the case. I think the, the thing that's scary for me with acquisitions is you don't want it to be so homogenized that you lose that, you know, that creative variety. Um, so if we're you know, thinking that it will be a, a great groundswell for indie developers, then I think that would be great. Yeah. I, I truly hope so. And yeah. I, I do believe that's going to happen. Yeah. We often hear like, oh, these acquisitions will be great for the gamer. But sometimes it's like, How, can though? you tell me? <laughs> and I think that's a great example. You know, it may not be what the company that's acquiring thinks will be good for the gamer, but in the end it is. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, we, we will see yeah. in yes. terms of how it all plays out. 
Um, but it's it, no doubt there's a lot of, of M&A activity happening mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. yeah. All right. On to Patreon questions. Yes. Please do the honors with All our right. first question. Um, so first question comes from Zeroid for Reggie. What in your estimation is your greatest skill or talent which has never been used in your business career? We certainly heard a lot about your pie baking abilities from your Crisco That's days. True. Yes, there's we some love pie that story. Stories. <laughs> yeah, that that is um, that's a really interesting question, um, and and I say that because at, at every stage in my career, I really believe I, I brought you know all of my skills, all of my knowledge to those particular roles. Um, I do think it's fair to say you know when I was when I was a you know. A, a marketer working at Procter & Gamble, I probably wasn't demonstrating my on-camera capability <laughs> to the extent I did later in life at, uh, at Nintendo, or my humor and, uh, and, and my ability to create a meme. So I, I, do think at, <laughs> I do think at different stages of my career, I brought different elements, but it, it, it's always been there. It's always been part of me. It's, but it's come down to, in that particular role, what was required. Right. Um, not only what was required, but you know, in my own personal development, what stage was I in and, and you know, what was it that I, uh, I had to do you know, day to day to be effective. But I, I can't say that I ever you know, um, uh, held back a skill or, or held back an experience. I, yeah. I like to believe I brought my full self to work every yeah. day. Yeah. I believe it. <laughs> uh, next question is from the Mama Luigi. Uh, the question is, Reggie, could you talk about your process while writing Disrupting the Game? I know you discussed the aims of the book in the text itself, but I'm curious how you went about writing it, what the process was like, and what ultimately inspired you to want to put your life to paper. Are you satisfied with the end result and the reception? So I, I think I've answered the end part yeah. of that question, right, in terms of the reception, and you know, I'm, I'm certainly thrilled with, with the book. In terms of the process, so, you know, a couple little stories. So you both know, as I retired, I did a number of um, events for our employees and our business partners, um, whether it was in Redwood City or New York or here in Seattle. And, you know, a good friend and, and key business partner, Fred Cook from mm. Golan, oh, yeah wasn't able to make one of my retirement events. And so uh, Fred, my wife Stacy, and I ended up having dinner, just the three of us, after I'd already retired. Uh, Fred himself had written a book, um, and we somehow got on the topic of writing a book. And Fred said, you know, Reggie, you need to write a book. And my comment was, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if that's something I wanna do right now, but he was adamant, he said, you need to write a book, and I'm gonna connect you with someone I know in Chicago who has years and years of experience in the industry and just talk to him. You know, that was the kickoff of what became Disrupting the Game. Uh, I had a conversation with this individual. He's, he's credited uh, in the acknowledgments of the book. And this is an individual who literally has 30, 35 years in the book industry, has done everything from ghostwriting to connecting people with agents. He knew the process. And I called him my book Sherpa. He was my book <laughs> Sherpa in managing the process. Um, 
and it was working with him that created a book proposal that ended up getting a publisher to, to support the book. And he also was my first pass editor. So, you know, as I would write chapters in the book, he was the person I would share it with, he would give feedback because he's been involved in literally hundreds of books. Um, so that was the process. And once, once we had a publisher on board and, and once the, the process began, uh, this is then where COVID actually ended up being a positive because I wasn't traveling. You were just at home writing a book. I was at <laughs> home every morning writing and editing for the book. And it, it really got me in a zone of working every day. Yeah. It, it enabled me to create a first draft of the book you know, fairly quickly, it was about a year to have, you know, essentially the, the full book written. There was another six months of editing and other parts of the process. In total, it took me about 18 months to write the book. But that was the process. It was, it was kicked off with a conversation with Fred Cook, uh, supported by my book Sherpa, and, uh, and 18 months later, it was born. We need a sequel. And a yeah, yeah. The um, I don't know if there's another book in me, uh, and I say that because in writing this, you know, my, now my personal life has been shared, right? Um, at least up until you know, 2020. Um, I touch on all of my leadership beliefs. I touch mm -hmm. on my life principles. So uh, I just, I don't know if there's another book in me. We'll see. I mean, you could always do fiction. Be the next George R.R. R. I, 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 <laughs> I could do fiction. Game I, of yeah. Video Game Thrones. Video, <laughs> you know, the, the, the true Game of the Thrones. The true Game of Thrones, there you go. But um, you know, the other piece I would share is, you know, writing is incredibly difficult. Oh, you know, right. I have a, I I have a, a profound level of respect for people who truly write for a living, whether it's short mm -hmm. articles or full-blown books, it is an incredibly hard and draining experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see if there's another book. Yeah. So good, you know. Thank you. So. Thank you. <laughs> uh, all right, our next question is from Disco Stew. If you were to wave a magic wand and change one single thing about the games industry as a whole, what would you change? Naturally, it would be Kamek's wand. I would change the level of true diversity in the industry. Yeah. You know, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, we're here at PAX. You look across the, the people playing games in, in this industry, and they come from all walks of life, a variety of different personal experiences. You don't see that in leadership in the games industry, mm -hmm. you know, I hate to say, um, you know, largely men, um, mostly white men. Um, there's clearly that contingent uh, in Asia, whether that's Korea, Japan, China. So that's another you know group and community. But beyond that, there's not nearly the diversity that you see in the player. Yeah. And I, I fundamentally believe that that needs to change. And the, the only way it will change is with industry leadership demanding that change mm -hmm. and supporting that change and uh, creating 
pathways for our complete and diverse community to get into different roles, whether it's on the development side, the management side, um, but that needs to change. All right, next question is from Christorati Kid. We will save you the backstory on that name. Uh, but what was your best or fondest memory that includes Kit and Krista? Wow. I'm scared now. You need to read the second part of the question. Also, thanks also, for, yes. yeah, thanks also for thanks making for many good Nintendo me. memories and for being an awesome person in general. Gotta give the compliment yes. from Chris Roddy. Gotta deliver that. I was just, I'm so petrified at what might come out now. <laughs> Uh-oh. You know, the, the, um, you know what, what the viewer really doesn't understand is that you know, we interacted constantly um, throughout your different roles and through the different experiences that you all had. I mean, I remember Krista uh -oh. from you know, her, her first days in Redwood City um, <laughs> and the work she was doing there. Um, you know, I, I remember, Kit, you, you know, early on uh, as you joined the company, uh, I think you and I had an early touch base, um, just you know, sharing my thoughts about Nintendo and, and how to be successful at the company. Um, in terms of the two of you together, you know, I, I think some of those early episodes of, uh, of uh, Nintendo Minute, you know, and, and again, you know, people don't understand the backstory. You know, Nintendo Minute happened uh, in part because the company had a desire to communicate with the fan base and, and do something uh, fun and interesting. Um, we just kind of did it. Right? right? <laughs> so the, cl the classic, you know, do it, don't ask for permission, yeah. just do it. Um, and, you know, luckily Mr. Awada was a huge supporter, gave you both access to developers uh, that enabled the content to uh, to begin, but you know it, it was those those early experiences, maybe some of the early battles um, in <laughs> in uh, in continuing the uh, the effort, and, uh, and gosh, you know it lasted for years and years and years. Yeah, but uh, it's those those early those early experiences, and and you know candidly how we fought. To uh, to have it continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you were always a huge supporter. Yeah. Literally, so. would not be here if not for the support. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's um, it's important. Uh, you know, we we've touched a little bit on the book, um, but you know, it's also true in real life. You know, my my passion is knowing that I've had a positive impact on someone's trajectory. And you know, I feel privileged to have been a small part in, part. in, your, <laughs> in your trajectory. Uh, and, and the encouragement I did uh, at the company, the encouragement that I've had for you as you've embarked on this journey. Yeah, yeah. yeah we definitely would not have even had the, um, like the bravery to take that step without having those conversations with you. So. Yes, those are some of our fondest memories yeah, as well. Yeah. Also, I really liked when you danced during the Super Mario Odyssey launch event. You had a, oh, had a yeah. little bop going. <laughs> I, really, I, really, I have a video of that still, and I really like it. <laughs> Add that to the meme collection. That's right, right exactly. Uh, next question comes from Soundwave5418. 
I had a question for Reggie. This is back to what we were talking about earlier. How was it filming the Smash Brothers Me Fighter reveal trailer with Mr. Awada? Did you do your own stunts? Obviously, yes. Uh, yes and no, right? <laughs> so, yes. You know, the fighting is me. The, uh, you know, some of the, the activities that we sped up and, and did, uh, yes, those were me. But we also did have stunt doubles. Um, what's interesting about that, so the, the, some, some of the stunt double activity that was done was actually shot in Japan. Oh. And they needed to shoot it at an angle to make the person look yeah. bigger. Like you're going to go Reggie's like, stunt like, like, like look, They couldn't find you know, someone find six somebody? foot three yeah. um, you know, to, to do some of the stunts. So literally, I was told this after the fact that they had to, you know, and if you go she back did. and look yeah. at the video, you could see it's shot at, at an angle down low shooting <laughs> up in part to drive that stature. But, oh uh, you know, so all of the close-up stuff was was myself yeah. or yeah. Mr. Wada, yeah. the facial uh, elements That was the best it. part, was yeah. how, like, just stone-cold serious mm -hmm. your faces were. I'm like, how did you not burst out laughing yeah. <laughs> doing this? Well, the other, the other little inside story is that um, each of our scenes were shot independently. Oh. And again, oh. my, my shoot was done uh, here in the Pacific Northwest. Mr. Wada's shoot was done, I'm assuming, there in Kyoto. And then they it, all it all came together. back. Wow. It all came together. Huh. Amazing. You can't tell as you look at it. No. Now. no. So no. now I've burst the bubble. Seamless, yeah. Now, you know, now everyone's going to be looking for, yeah. you know, for that, like, inconsistencies. Trick, the lighting trick, yeah. But, uh, yeah, fun, you know, great yeah. video. Great, and again, one of those classic, classic moments um, that we were able to create. Right. Yeah. Those are our ten questions. But... There's one bonus question. You can you feel free to drop your yeah. mic if you like. Like you answers. said, it's better just do it and ask for forgiveness. There you go. <laughs> Our jaw-dropping final question comes from Mikey, who wants to know: Reggie, is Link still hot? Is Link still hot? You famously <laughs> said Link was hot, so I, we need I, to check you in. You and I connect I very deeply yeah. on this fact, by the way. You so. know, <laughs> actually, that. that um, I love that interview. So that was a, a CBS. <laughs> that was a CBS morning uh, interview. Um, and not only did I proclaim that Link is hot, and Link is hot, I actually, <laughs> actually started playing Breath of the Wild again oh. after not playing for years. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I'm, I'm hoping and wishing that we're going to get news on, uh, I on know. the we sequel. All like are, all of us, all yeah. of us uh, are in the same, same but, place. Um, but that interview, uh, I was constantly called Mr. President. <laughs> Uh, Mr. President, go back and check the tape. I was called Mr. President oh, uh, during that interview, which was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Incredible. The Mr. President said Link is hot. I mean, that's a, that's a exactly. quote that you want to keep. We just had to reconfirm, like we said, it's been years. Absolutely. Link is still hot. The, yes. Uh, and and we, all, we, all, we all look forward to uh, seeing Link's hotness <laughs> in, uh, in the Breath of the Wild sequel. Yeah, Double yeah. The, the hotness right. in Breath of the Wild 2, right? Well, thank you again so much, Reggie, for your time. Absolutely. And for being here with us. Absolutely. Thrilled to, so uh, thrilled to be with you both. Uh, thrilled to see you in real life. We, we, we've done some video conferences. I know. But we haven't, uh, but we haven't yeah. been back together, I think, since around my retirement time. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. Great yeah. to be back mm -hmm. together. Yeah, it's awesome. All right. You've heard it here first from Reggie. All right, we're back. It was so wonderful to see Reggie a few weeks ago. It 
really was. It was like one of those things that I said that I think I was telling you at the time where it's like we haven't seen Reggie in person for so long. But as soon as we all like saw each other and got together, it just felt like no time had passed at all. You know, like it just felt like old times again. And it was so great. And he's just wonderful. And he always just has like the best advice and and just I don't know I just I love him so much and I I'm so glad that we got a chance to catch up with him yeah and again he was one of the people who you know as we were leaving Nintendo gave us a push to start all of this so I know um, yeah we really owe him a lot and are really lucky to have him as sort of a a mentor in our lives exactly I know he was our our big vote of confidence confidence which is um I mean who can say that you know that Reggie was is that instrumental in your in, in our daily lives? So nice. Now onto the games we're playing. Back to yes. uh, Splatoon Three. Were you my Splatoon Three mentor as we played through that single player mode? I think I was your Splatoon Three like adversary. You were like the little <laughs> devil on my shoulder. I, I think I annoyed you a lot while we played through it. You were you were uh, feeling but the we pressure have- as I. As I like. Yes. Like we said, we have now finished the single player mode. We are not going to be spoiling this, or I'm not at least. Certainly, I don't know what you're going to get up to. I won't spoil anything. All right. Um, But let's talk about this a little bit. Um, I came away quite happy with the single player mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely is a lot. I think this is a a good Splatoon theme, which is is just a lot of, like you were saying this last week too, just like a lot of game. You know, not only the single player mode, but just all the other game modes just feel really deep. Um, the single player mode, I felt I found it to be just a huge amount of variety, all different kinds of levels. Um, yeah, and some of them are very challenging. And um, it, it just yeah, it was definitely very robust. And I, I was was pretty happy with it. I continue to be surprised at how little they talked about the single player mode. Before this came out, you know, it was like under a minute in the direct, the Splatoon direct. They did do the Treehouse Live, but I feel like they didn't really touch upon the scope of it. So that's really what stood out to me of like this, this feels pretty big and it feels ambitious and it is building, you know, as I've been wanting, it's like building out the Splatoon world. Mm -hmm. So I think they did themselves a disservice by not talking about it more. And I think it, it also reminded me you know, there's a lot of Splatoon characters that show up and it did remind me like, all right, they've done a good job of, of adding, you know, key standout characters to Splatoon over these three games. Right. Right. And I think that that's the thing is there is so much like world building and backstory and character building that they do a good job of in the single player mode for this game. And, you know, there's like some cool collectibles that we were collecting, like the, the scrolls and some of those those interesting transmissions that give you a really good glimpse into how this world came to be, which is the part that I've always been curious about. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very strange that they didn't just sort of didn't mention it at all uh, before the game came out. And I, I'm not sure if it's, if it's, if it was to, you know, preserve a sense of surprise or just not wanting to spoil things, which I know um, Nintendo is very, keen on doing for a lot of their story-based games. But I, I really think they should have like at least shown a little bit more of that um, because it just seems like this huge part of the game that was never mentioned. 
Yeah, now that I've finished it, I'm really curious what they do with this, you know, upcoming DLC that they teased in the direct. It feels like this mode was big enough where, you know, for Splatoon 2, they did the Octo expansion. I don't know if they would need to do something like that again. They certainly could. I'd be happy with it. Um, but it, it doesn't feel like that's definitively what they will do. Yeah, I'm curious about that as well. Um I wonder what else they can add to this like already pretty like in-depth single player mode. And if there's more, you know, I have an idea. What's your idea? So this is something I would, I would love a next evolution of Splatoon single player mode. I was thinking about Bowser's fury of how Mm. that was somewhat open world, but all of the areas were sort of contained in a single world and you had the freedom to go around it. Um, That feels like that could be a cool next step if they can find a way to do that, where you're not going into the teapot every time. Mm -hmm. um, And it feels like you have a bit more choice about how you want to do it. Um, You know, like I said, this felt like a good step forward, but at some point you might need to change it up. They do a good job of like building out kind of a different environment than. Splatoon 2 single player mode because it does that new area that you're in for single player that sort of relates back to the story does feel a lot more open and and more like exploratory than ever before so I guess if they can push it you know just a little bit further than that it it would be pretty cool if they're able to do that but I, I was already impressed with like sort of how kind of open and, and how there's, there was like a lot more for you to like kind of discover between those teapot levels um, already, which is, was just pretty cool. Yeah. Now there's a Splatfest coming up. People need to know what side you have chosen. Food, obviously. Okay. I'm team fun. Are you fun? Cause you're team big man. People have been really like deeply analyzing and having deep introspection about what Splatfest choice is right for them. <laughs> I feel like the people that choose gear are especially like passionate about how that is the only choice for some reason. It's like if you don't choose gear, you've never you've you've not like understood the survival of what it means to be on a desert island. I'm like are you serious? <laughs> like, Listen, as long as we like don't get another Tom mayonnaise Splatfest, I'm good. Yeah. Okay, I'll just flip a coin. <laughs> yeah. That's the deal yeah, with the, the devil I'm ready to make. But the, the gear choosers, though, they, they're, they're very So you're um, calling out Team Gear. This. I'm calling out Team Gear for being wow. too serious about this fun sp- Splatfest. I think you need to look in the mirror. What do you My mean? Gosh. I chose food. I'm just I'm very I'm just casual saying. about it. Very All casual. Right. All right. All right. Fine. Um, <laughs> you, you are you are casual about food based on your performance in the cooking challenge. Anyhow, um, have you have you played more multiplayer? Yes, but not any of the ranked battles. No, only turf war. I I fell. I I had this big idea of like I'm gonna f- you know get back into these ranked modes, and I did for a while, but I realized I, my foundation of play was had not been built up far enough, so I went back into Turf War. Okay. And I was like, I really need to, I really need to pick a weapon for me, because I was kind of jumping around all over the place. Mm. I did have some very good luck with um, the Aerospray 
MG, I believe. Oh it's yeah, called. that's a good one. And weapon. I was like, you know, I'm just not doing well. I feel like I, my my Splatoon skills have atrophied. So I just went back to the very early weapons that they give you. Right. And that one, I mean, that's a total just like pray and spray like noob weapon. Yeah. But it does give you good ink coverage um, on the ground. Right. And if you get close up, it's generous enough with the aim that I can take people out. So I was I was actually getting a number of like, you know, well over a thousand finishes in these rounds. So finally, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I would eventually like to graduate to a bit of a, you know, not a noob weapon, but for now this is doing okay for me. Yeah, I really struggle with only being able to do well with maybe like one or two weapons. Pretty much just the dualies or like the basic um what is it, the splatter shot or whatever it's called? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I like cannot figure out any of the other weapons really. Like I'm really bad with ink management, I feel like, with some of the other weapons. It just seems to be like such a You're just always ink, out of ink. Always out of ink at the most critical of times where I need ink and then I'm just like a sitting duck basically for people to Oh, no. <laughs> to splat. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have good, and I, I like, I'm jealous of the people that are so good with like the roller or like the brush because they seem to be doing like, I mean, they seem to be doing so much coverage and so much damage, and I just. Then I why don't like you never, use it? I just can't do it. I, I feel like I'm so bad. You just put the roller down it. and you run people over. It's easy. I can't do it. It's oh too hard. no. We have some extremely high level Splatoon players in our Discord that I get I get yeah. honestly get a little intimidated. Um, so I tend to sit and sit and watch back and listen when they're when they're talking about it because I'm I'm on right. my quest to get like <laughs> not even get good, like get passable. Right, right. I'm my my yeah. rank is still like C minus or something like that. It's so sad and depressing. Um I haven't even tried really because I'm I'm so intimidated by by those modes. So I've only done surf, uh, turf war. Have you done salmon run at all? Have you, have you a little bit? Yeah, I did do that a little bit fiddled with that. I haven't, I haven't played yeah. it at all. Um, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, you know, again, it's very reminiscent of the last game, but, um, I mean, it's obviously a cooperative mode, not, not competitive. And right. so far that, you know, the ramping up feels good and, you know, they've got some cool bosses, so it's not the main thing I'm doing, but I do do it now and then. Yeah. 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 Nice. Nice. Um, so you had this long flight. I did. I think everybody wants to know, what was your plane game? Well, I got really lucky because right before I left on my trip, um, I got uh, a nice code from our friends over at Bear and Breakfast, which oh. is a game that has been on my list um, for a long time. And I know the game had been delayed a little bit on Switch, so... Um, I was very lucky. It was like literally the the day before I was leaving on my trip and there was a code. It was amazing. Um, so I have been playing a lot of Bear and Breakfast, actually. So I played that on the plane. I've been For playing starters, it. what is Bear? Here. Can you explain what this game is? Because I, I literally watched you play this for a little bit when we were at the Summer Game Fest event. <laughs> Couldn't figure it out. I was out, like, so. what is happening right now? Yeah. It's kind of like... How would I describe this? It, it's um, a bit like an Animal Crossing type of game where you are sort of building out these like bed and breakfast or like l- like lodging facilities. 
And there is an element of like, you know, collectability with furniture, crafting, building rooms, you know, upgrading your, your, your lodging areas to a higher rank to attract more visitors. Um, but you play as this very cute bear and you're basically like living in the woods, like minding your own business. And you stumble upon this like mechanical shark. That's like, Hey, do you want to like go on a business venture? And well, you've it's, like, got my interest now. Exactly. It's very like zany and it makes no sense at all. And it's very cute. And the dialogue is hilarious because he's a bear so whenever he talks to humans, it's just, it just says like bear grumbling noises or like curious bear noises. But somehow he still like is able to communicate with the humans for some reason. Um, and they're not scared of a bear checking them into a bed and breakfast. So sure. Um, I, what I didn't realize was that there's sort of multiple like locations for you to build out. So when I played at Summer Game Fest, it was really the starting area and it has um, – you know, just like a pretty basic little area for you to build out into like a little bed and breakfast. But then I unlocked like a desert area and it, mm. it's like a desert motel with like a diner that you can upgrade and do all sorts of stuff to. And there looks to be like other areas around there to unlock as well. So I'm kind of curious to see like what else, what else is there that you're doing besides building out like a bed and breakfast, but it's super cute. And um, very cozy and relaxing. One to ten, how cozy is this game? Ten. The bear is so cozy. None more cozy. So cozy. The only thing I will say is I believe this game um, was on PC. uh, And I can kind of tell because the controls are – I feel like the controls would be a lot easier if you could, like, use a keyboard and you can, like, point and click on things. Um, There's a lot of menus that you're navigating with all of the – like crafting and the, you know, the room building and stuff like that. So sometimes I'm like, wait, which button do I hit again to get over to sort of like the side of the menu to select this item? Like, what do I do? Um, So I find myself like mashing random buttons a lot to try to figure out which button I'm supposed to uh, press. Um, But other than that, um, I'm really enjoying it. It's really cute. Hmm. Well, that's good. That's always nice to get a fresh new game before you get on an airplane. Exactly. It's yeah. it's very nice. It was perfect for that. Yeah. Uh, I recently started a new game as well, which is um, I had to break out of the cycle of new releases. I was like, I got to look at some of these games that have come out. Uh, I started Lost Judgment, which oh. is a game that I think came out last year. I'm playing it on PS5. Um, I was so just sucked back into the world of uh, Yakuza or, or Like a Dragon, as it's called now. Yes, the Yakuza name has been retired. Right, um, right. From TGS. We'll, we'll talk about all that in our news section, but I was like, gosh, I, I just want to play one of those games. And this one had been like kind of on my mind to check out. So it's sort of set in that world, but with a different group of characters. And it's a very different type of game. Whereas, you know, Yakuza, well, now it's like turn-based, used to be very action-focused. This is a detective game. That has some fighting, some real-time fighting that is reminiscent of the older Yakuza games. But there is a lot of detectiving happening that I kind of was surprised to the extent it went to. So you are like 
tailing people and you're like taking pictures of them doing illegal stuff and you're like examining crime scenes or you're like looking for like ways to access things that are, you know, hard to get to. Um, So they really like lean into that. And like the music is very like, I don't know, like seventies gumshoe kind of music. (laughs) So I was kind of expecting a very light variation on the Yakuza formula, but this is pretty different. Now you are not the biggest fan of fans of games like, you know, Ace Attorney where it kind of has this type of potentially, I've not played this game, but it sounds like it can have this type of gameplay where you're like searching for clues or trying to like sort of crack the case or whatever, because you've always mentioned that like you feel like you are like, three or four steps ahead. So you kind of are waiting to get to the conclusion that the game is like slowly leading you towards. Do you feel like that with this game or is it like hard enough or mysterious enough for you to like? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm either, I'm either too far ahead or too far behind in a lot of cases. Um, (laughs) This did. So this does have like an easy mode and a hard mode. And they said this, this affects not only the fighting, but also the puzzles. So, Knowing that the puzzles could be frustrating for me, I did go with easy mode. Okay. Um, I, I don't know how the puzzles are different. Maybe they're just more lenient or, you know, there's times where you need to identify things in the environment. Maybe that the hitbox for those is a little bit bigger. Uh, um, I'm I very see. early. I only played like the first hour and a half, but um, so far it's been good. Um, you can like ask for hints if you feel particularly stumped. Um, okay. So that's good. And you know, I, I do appreciate that this does have the fighting in it to kind of break things up. So it's not okay. just purely like, you know, trailing people. And that right. is very much like the, the Yakuza type action fighting. Okay. But whereas, you know, Kiryu is like the big like bruiser who's just like powerhousing through everybody. This character is more like finesse based. And he has mm. like, you know, multiple fighting styles. And it seems to be more about like evasion and attacking quickly so um, it does have a bit of a different feel, but you can definitely tell like, oh, this is by that studio. And, you know, a lot of the settings are, are very similar. Um, I can't tell yet. So they showed Yokohama, which is where Like a Dragon was set. Right. But then there was also a lot of talk about Kamarocho, which is where the older ones are. It's like, I don't know where I am right now. Maybe it'll be like 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 a dragon where you shit change locations at some point. But, mm. you know, clearly they're they're taking advantage of having built out these cities and having them ready to go. I'm a Camarocho fan. Myself, <laughs> so. Yeah. Camarocho yeah, so boys. I'm here for that. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited to keep playing this again. This has just been like on my mind, on my back burner. And, you know, after TGS, I was just like, I'm just buying this. It's like, yeah. it's perpetually like very cheap. Like I got it for 30 bucks. So, um, nice. yeah, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep kind of doubling that and Splatoon for the near future. That's a good one because it it's a it's so different than Splatoon that you can get a nice little break from. Yeah, it was also like game. gosh, it's been it's been a little while since I've played anything on my PS5 or my Xbox. Yeah. So, it was good to to get that back up and going. Um I mean, the the new releases honestly for those platforms just haven't been as frequent um yeah, as they have been yeah. on Switch. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, so All that's right. what we've been playing. Why don't we move on to the news? Yes, and, uh, we have a big news section. 
Let's start off by looking back at some of the news from last week, all the announcements, because, again, that week was just like, it was basically E3 that was week crazy. in September. That week was yeah. insane. I did not expect it. I don't know why. I was like, there's also a state of play. Like, what's happening right now? <laughs> I know. That was just like one thing too many. Um, yeah. So why don't we start with the Nintendo Direct? And we have a few other follow-ups on the Nintendo Direct in our Q&A. And I've just kind of pulled out a few of the big news items for us to talk a little bit about more here, starting with uh, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, which we got Name a date revealed. for yeah. May 13th, 2023, which we thought was a delay, which that's our bad. That is not a delay. That is still spring. Oh, you're right. Because summer doesn't begin until June. I was so hung up on, like, this will be out before the end of the fiscal year. Again, so much revolves around the fiscal year that I just assumed, I, yeah. like, they're going to get this out by March 31st, no matter what. I, I thought so, too. I was so, like, sure that it was going to be a March title. And then there was also, of course, all those, uh, you know, all those discussion around, like, oh, could it launch on the same date as Breath of the Wild? Um, so it could be, like, the same release date and so i think i got that in my head but that's correct this is still this is still spring so that that just makes sense I did definitely later than i anticipated but but good now that the we have title tears of the kingdom they they had said when we reveal this name people are going to know you know what's going on in this game i have no uh, idea name, what's going the on the name did not game. help me at all no i gotta be honest um yeah some people have pointed out like there are a lot of similarities between this and Skyward Sword, not only mm-hmm. from with the um, sky loft and the, the you know, sort of right like with all dual. the you know, sky stuff, but also going into again, I'm blanking on the name in Skyward Sword. There was that like shadowy realm where you would have to run and get the stuff really fast. That was super stressful. In oh, Skyward that's Sword. right with the, the um, drops. Yeah, the tears. There was also tears. Yeah, the tears. So, tears, tears. Yeah, tears. Though. Um, it was also interesting. Some people were like, well, what if it's Tears of the Kingdom, not Tears? Because you can well, read tears. it two different ways. But I think oh, Nintendo this, came out and said, no, it's Tears. It's Tears. Okay. It's Tears. Yeah. So, you know, this was an extremely short trailer. And then when you consider, like, yeah. how much actual gameplay was in it, because there was the whole, like, build up with, you know, the tapestry stuff. Like, I don't know. You've got maybe, like, like 15 30 seconds, seconds of, of yeah. new footage. Right, um, right. But if this is, you know, you know, this is what eight, what are we eight months out just doing some math? So they have I a bit so. more runway here to talk about yeah. this game. So I'm, I'm a little less hung up on how short it is, but right. it is, it is good to have a firm date and know when we can and the expect name this. too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, all right, we're doing, we're doing real stuff from here on. We're not, you know, pretending with this code name. Exactly. And people can stop like getting hung up on guessing the name and guessing the date and they can focus on more like game gameplay or yeah. game yeah. reveals. Um, other people have pointed out that some some of the markings look like it's from Twilight Princess. Like they've mm. noticed like Minna's crown um, has some of the sort of like the geometric markings that's on Link's arm and also on the logo. So, I mean, who knows? Everyone's drawing their own conclusions to this, trying to sleuth it out. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it connects to the other games in the timeline. Hmm. Uh, Pikmin 4 was another big announcement. It's coming in 2023 after a big fake out by Mr. Miyamoto. Yeah. I always knew there. I always knew something more was coming in that segment. I think, well, why would I he mean, be there? He's not going to be there for no reason. He's Mr. Miyamoto. <laughs> They're not going to just trot him out for no reason, you know? Pikmin, though, really is his baby. And it's one it's of the true. few franchises he has not been able to get to the, like, 
mega hit status. And I feel like he's just going to do whatever he can to get it there. Yeah, it is really interesting how, like, personally invested he is in Pikmin. Like, a lot of these other games and franchises that he, um, you know, that he's, like, like quote-unquote fathered or whatever, like Mario and Zelda, those those have all, like, sort of passed on to new development teams, new producers. But Pikmin, for some reason, he's really, like, kept close to the – close to his heart, I guess. Um, and, yeah, there there is something special – I think that he sees in Pikmin that maybe like a, a big mass audience ha- hasn't seen yet. So be interested to see what this is. I, we didn't really get anything in this trailer either. Just like a couple, you know, seconds of, of game of, of footage that looked very high res. <laughs> um, well, they did like- talk about, you know, just, Shifting the camera angle down to like ground level, the which level? I don't know, seems like a small thing, but I know if you know the visuals of that game really hold up at close detail. That could be a cool change. Yeah, yeah. I I can't imagine it. I can't envision it right now. So we'll see. Yeah. I did notice that the eyeballs on like the you know the like the enemies looked super detailed and creepy, and it like freaked me out. So I. I was, You're going to be thing. able to examine the heck me. out of this Duracell battery, okay? Oh yeah, the lemon wet, the lemon, the strawberry. Oh my gosh, seeds. the lemon rind Let's is going to blow your mind. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I am not the biggest Pikmin fan. I've played all of them. Yeah, but same. I don't. I, I mean, just for starters, I'm not a huge RTS person, and it's a, it's a straight. It's an interesting genre, and it's a tricky challenge because you know, obviously, RTS games are biggest on PC. And they've always had this like stigma around on consoles where it's like, oh, you can't really play it that way, or you're playing down this watered down thing. Um, I don't know. For for one reason, the gameplay's never totally clicked with me the way it has with some yeah. people. Yeah, same, same here. Um there's some elements of that game that's really hard for me. Like I really don't like it when they die. Like the 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 little souls coming out of their little tiny bodies, and then you have to leave them behind when it's like dark and you just imagine horrible things happening to them when you leave on the spaceship. And I don't know, there, there's, there, it's, there's a darkness <laughs> a little bit to Pikmin. That's very unlike other Mr. Miyamoto games. And um, there's also, let me know if this, if you're like this, the resource management side of it does stress me out. And like, too. it's like, well, there's, there's a timer that's going, that's a resource that I'm always sure. worried about. There's the juice it, thing. Like, right. out of like food, oh, you have this many days of juice. 30 it's days like, of juice. Is this necessary for, I mean, I've never actually run out of the juice, but it's always this looming <laughs> specter of like, I better not mess this up or I'm going to run out of the juice. The juice though. <laughs> I don't know why they need that. And then it's just like, yeah. well, there's limited Pikmin. So you could just really be screwed if you if you run out of those so there's something about it that makes it a bit of a stressful experience for me yeah i agree i I, i'm not a big fan of that the the resource management i'm not a big fan of the time management that stresses me out and just like throwing the poor little guys to like maybe their death sometimes just i just it hurts it hurts me um and i just uh, every time i like wrongfully throw one into the water and it drowns and makes that little noise i just i really can't it's just too sad <laughs> <laughs> um after well, we're going kind of in reverse order from the direct here goldeneye was was big news the long rumored goldeneye but yeah. there was some interesting follow ups to this story that were 
a bit confusing. So the version that's coming to NSO on the deluxe version of NSO will have online play. Right. There is also a version that is coming to Xbox and will be on Game Pass. And that version does not have online play. So what's going on here? I don't know. Is this some sort of deal? Like, oh, you can only exclusively have online play on Switch console, like the Switch platform or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I we, we know the people at Nintendo who would have been doing this deal. And I got to say, they probably won that deal. They got yeah. them. Because they got them. for Microsoft to just give up online play on their system is that like, is all about online, like everything that they do has online is and like pushes ridiculous. online, I cannot believe that they will not have that. Yeah, it just seems like they were like arm twisted into yeah or forced you know into into doing this or whatever then so on the flip side that makes you, i really hope the online on the switch version it better is, work. is good it better work that's the thing it better oh, if you're going to do this if you're going to like block it from other consoles or whatever like you better it better work and it better not be some like lame voice chat nonsense on your NSO app or whatever oh my gosh cuz that is just a real shame if that experience is just terrible because we're kind of fighting a exclusive war on online play, you know? Now, you did not have a Nintendo 64. What is your personal experience with GoldenEye? Surely you've been to some parties where GoldenEye was there. Yeah, I was going to say lots of college parties with GoldenEye. So definitely play. I'm terrible at this game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've definitely played. I definitely watched a lot of people play in my college years. I'm, I'll try it. <laughs> GoldenEye was hot stuff for a long time. After it really it was, out. yeah, and, it really was. It was like a dorm room classic. But at the same time, it's it's been a long time since I have played it. Yeah. I'm curious to see up? how they handle the controls because, like you know, like we were saying with um, our Nintendo 64 scavenger hunt, playing Oof. those games on a Switch controller. You know, just with the default button mappings is not great. It's really unintu- in a, unintuitive. And that that control, the N64 controller only had one stick. I would be fine going back and playing it that way if there was a way to properly map the controls onto the Switch controller. I just don't know what they're planning to do with this. Gyro aiming? Just kidding. No, I mean, I don't think they'll do that much. But <laughs> I don't think they're going to do that much at all. But that'd be nice. yeah. I, so I'm a, I'm a teensy bit worried about it from that standpoint, but I am right. very excited to revisit that. And I mean, even beyond the multiplayer, like the single player mode of that is very fun. And there's a lot of different ways that you can approach that. So I'm, I'm pretty psyched for this. I've never played the single player mode. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you can a shoot fun. a guy while he's on the turret. Oh, that's everyone's dream. I mean, you can, you can do the first move, you can shoot his hat off, and then okay. you can finish him off. On the toilet. On the He's toilet. Distracted. Yes, that's like the second level. That's an iconic gaming moment that well, you've never I can, experienced. I, maybe I can experience it for the first wow, time. Wow, you really you. should. Yeah, yeah you there really you go. should. That could be one of our like first impressions yeah. kind of game. Yeah, since I didn't own it, I never like played single player. I've just always been to places where people were playing multiplayer, so... All right, last big thing from the Direct before we move on to the state of play, Fire Emblem Engage, which when we were doing doing the stream, I I missed out on the date. This is coming out January 20th, which is really soon. It's really soon. Yeah, it's really soon. 
You Thoughts. did not love the um, the main characters. It seems like the multicolored hair, the no. Har- the Harley Quinn kind no, of. It's, it's Ronald McDonald esque. Um, yeah, I will say like, the, the the look of the rest of the game. It looks really nice. Yeah, it does. Like, it kind it of looks does. like it's picking up where Xenoblade left off, where the faces are very expressive, the eyes the have eyes, a lot of life yeah. to them. Nintendo has got these eyes down now. It's like the new water eyes. It is. <laughs> um, and it just seems more colorful than a lot of the recent Fire Emblem games. Yeah. I got to say, though, I might be sitting this one out unless we... Really? I don't know. I mean, Why? I played... I played Three oh, Hopes played three over hopes. the summer. I didn't play Three Hopes. I don't know. I also have this lingering um, shame about not having played Triangle Strategy yet. Oh, and Triangle it's like, Strategy. If I'm going to play a strategy game, I mean, people love. Like, Roger's base is like, Triangle Strategy is game of the year so far. Yeah, Goaty. So, I was like, maybe if, I, if I'm going to play... A strategy game, maybe I should do that instead and you know give another series a shot since this seems I don't know, is this this seems like a side a little bit like a side game? It's not like it didn't it doesn't feel like big and meaty and new and fresh in the same way that Three Houses did. But at the same time, we we probably still have more to learn about this game. I just want to know about the husbandos, really. Well, they're there. What else but do you need to they, know? How hot are they? I need to extremely. I need to- I need a detailed list of potential husbandos. What if they had Lands DLC in Fire Emblem? Like a crossover. In. In. <laughs> so in. Can I you marry take him? him to tea time? Oh, tea. Yeah. That sounds nice. Yeah, I want to know about like the relationship and the that part of it. Because that's what really sells me on a Fire Emblem game. It's like, yeah. I don't really care about anything else. I just want to do like all the side like relationship things and like marry them off to each other and do all the sorts of Well, that of seems cool. to be what the engaged name is. Leaning toward. Oh, really? Is that what that I means? I think so. I've heard some people say that. Oh. So now you like I, the name. I dislike the name because it sounds like something corporate. Like, it, sounds it sounds like, like, like Star Trek. Engage. It sounds like it sounds like some sort of corporate training. Like, I don't know. It just sounded really weird to me. Like, it didn't sound like a game. It didn't sound fun. Um, <laughs> you should call it Fire Emblem Husband or Remix. There we go. <laughs> sharp, sharp <laughs> love. <laughs> yeah, why not? That sounds good. Um, Anyways, we'll see. We'll yeah. let the Bondos make the decision for yeah, us. Yeah, I need to see more. Yes. And I, I was, I was, I was like, I can't. I'm, I'm barely keeping it together this year with all the games to play. <laughs> I'm, I'm not ready to start thinking about 2023 games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. All right. On to the state of play. We've got some other Nintendo Direct stuff in the Q and A, so we'll re- revisit that. Um, yes. This was a little bit shorter. This was like 20 ish minutes. Yeah, very, um, very, um, very short. But there was—it's kind of—it was pretty meaty. It's like packed with big quite chunk a bit of stuff. on PlayStation VR, which honestly, I is not my thing. Mm, so none of that yeah. really stood out to me that much. But sure. we did get uh, Tekken Eight announced. Yeah. What do you think about that? I am not the biggest Tekken fan, but um, why not? I don't know. Why should I, be? I sell me? Sell me on Tekken. I am occasionally a big Tekken fan. Who does Tekken that three? Mean? Tekken three is like secretly very high on my all time games list. Okay, um, that is the game that made me get a PS one when the PS one was big time. Really, and then Tekken five was very good on the PS two. I've kind of fallen off since then, though, and I'm I'm. 
I was kind of wondering, like, maybe this is the one that will bring me back. And I did look at some of the follow-up interviews that they were doing, and they're like, this is classic Tekken. It's going to look incredible on the PS5, and I really believe them on that. So I was it like, does, yeah. The trailer looks, like, incredible. Maybe, like, I, it maybe I get back into good. Tekken. But at the same time, yeah. it's like, oh, there's going to be Street Fighter Six too. I was going to say, is that? I might be have a to. I might have to choose. I don't yeah. know if I want to dual wield these fighting games. That so it sounds like it'd be very hard to do that, and it sounds like it'd be kind of samey. It's. I might be in on. I might be pretty in on Street Fighter Six. I don't know. This could. This could be tricky for me. We'll have to see. Yeah. We'll yeah. Have to see what happens. Um, there was this other game that was announced, Rise of the Ronin, which is by Team Ninja, an action RPG set in the 1800s of Japan. Mm-hmm. That seems to be a hot time period for games. I legit just, thought that this was another Ghost of Tsushima. I was like, wait, what is this game? When I first right saw it. it, I was like, wait, this looks exactly the same. <laughs> and then there's also this Yakuza remake, which is also set in that same time period. It's cool, what? though. I think that's a it's a really yeah. interesting time period. It's like industrial revolution japan time is that what it is it's yeah it's like it's it's like a little bit what you got with with the red dead games where you think like oh cowboys that's like 1800 but that 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 first game was like oh this is set in like 1911 and it's like oh there were still cowboys then and in japan 1800 you still had samurai back then doing stuff so it's a very interesting time choice sure yeah and then there's like also like this sort of clash with modernizing the world with like yes like you know and they were also showing like oh there's these ships in the harbor so that's what i was thinking westernization westernization happening right right um so that was cool and then we ended with this big god of war ragnarok trailer Mm -hmm. i don't know about you i i am good on story trailers for this game i don't need to see anymore i agree i don't yeah, I mean, this you play this game for like the story and to go through the cinematic stuff. So just let me they, they have let me been experience it a teensy bit light on talking about the gameplay. And I would love to again, I don't need that much, but I would love to hear a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as these story trailers go, I've seen enough. Although that scene where he threw the axe and Thor threw the hammer and they just and oh, that clashed? was a, that was a get hype moment. That was such a get hype moment. I also amazing. like how boy, the little the little boy. <laughs> Just call him boy. Boy, boy. He's not so boy anymore. He's like teen. Call, yeah. call him teen now. Right. Um, which, you know, honestly, I like more because little kids, I'm not the biggest fan. So it's nice to have like more of a mature, you know, like now he can, it feels a little bit less like you're babysitting. <laughs> Right, right. And a little and bit more like, you know, this this person has, a you know, its own personality and blah, blah, blah. And it's nice. And again, knowing that. what we know about him from the ending of God of War 1, which we exactly. will not spoil. Do not spoil it. I will, That's why I was very careful with, with calling I, him boy. There could be some really amazing, like, story moments around mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that I want to see how his personality develops around right. all of that stuff. I got nervous there. Um, <laughs> What are you gonna say? I was excited to see my my axe making a debut. Yeah, that, I, that my axe that I lent to Kratos. <laughs> making <a debut. laughs> I was like, I'll go take that axe home so I can have it next to me while I play this game. Oh, you should throw it at right. the screen or something. You, you should know, rage quit moment. Um, some of the enemies they showed looked very cool, like that giant jellyfish thing. Yeah, what yeah. Was, what was that? Like that didn't seem like anything out of Norse mythology. I was like, oh, well, I saw somebody did do 
an article. It was like, here's everything in the trailer and how it links back to Norse mythology. Because some of them, like, they were pretty extreme. Like, one, you saw, like, a fish person, and they were saying, well, that's a a mermaid based on mermaids in Norse mythology. Oh, okay, okay. I see. So, yeah, that's a fun thing to look at with that game because they do seem to be taking it pretty seriously. We read, like, like, we were so in on the Norse mythology. Remember, we, like, read that Neil Gaiman book, (laughs) which was so good. a lot of books on that stuff, yeah. A lot of books on Norse mythology, which is very fun. And this one is especially, I love the, like, the the sort of that, the, what is it, the wolves of chaos that they have there. They remind me of Chili and Chowder. I'm like, they could be of course. wolves of chaos. So, so this state of play was stuff. like, this was like 20-ish minutes, but I thought it was pretty good overall. I thought it was really good. I was actually really impressed with how much like stuff they put into 20 minutes. Um, yeah, I was, I was impressed. The, the presentation of it, though, it kind of reminded me of what's that thing that they roll before you go to see a movie in a movie theater? Oh, it's like the previews. It's, yeah. And I expect it like introed by like Maria Menounos or something. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it's like, at the very like, you end, sure to pick up your trash, silence your phones. It's like, at the end, it's like, yeah, like, like now time for our feature film. Like, right. Totally. Totally. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. I didn't think of it like that. But yeah. So that was the state of play. And then we got into TGS, which for me was just like all Yakuza stuff. And I guess they had a big event where they went through all of this. So they announced three games. <clears throat> yeah. I'll just, run, I'll just run through these and we'll talk about it. Like a Dragon 8. Coming in 2024, Kiryu plus Ichiban, Kiryu with a weird hairstyle, uh, and weird. that will have turn-based combat. Okay. Then, Like a Dragon, Gaiden in 2023 takes place between Yakuza 6 and 7 with real-time combat mm-hmm. starring Kiryu. And then Like a Dragon, Ishian, February 2023, set in the 1860s, and it's a remake of this older PS3 game. That is a lot. Yeah. That is a lot of Yakuza. And these games are notoriously long and involved and whatnot. So that's quite, that's quite a lot of game. They really crank <laughs> in, these out, in two years, but they yeah. have yet to have a flub as far as a quality standpoint. And they've been doing this for oh my gosh, you know, well yeah. over 10 years now. So I, I have no doubt they can, they can pull mm-hmm. it off. Um, I think this is a great roadmap for them though. It's awesome. And I, I love how each of the games are a little bit different, whether it's with characters, with time settings, or with gameplay, you know, with the combat being different in each one. So I think it, you know, even though they're kind of jam-packed in 2023-2024, you'll have enough variety to, like, want to get all of them and play all of them. So that's really awesome. I love the world of of Yakuza, and I cannot wait. It's going to be great. I remember... um when the Ishin games, I think they did two of them eventually, were first revealed. I remember I was at a TGS when I was working oh, wow. for probably Namco at the time, and that was the big game. Yakuza at TGS is a huge deal. Like they go crazy with the booths. And that was the game that they had that year. And I was so like impressed that they was like, wow, you have this really popular current day series, but you're completely flipping the setting and the time period. To be this very historical, you know, still mm-hmm. still crime based. I thought like that was such a cool move by them. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that would be something that's actually pretty daring to do because you have this like really great formula of yeah, you have a sure thing exactly. And so to to do that to just add that level of variety and um, sort of unexpected right. surprise is is really awesome. Now you have to watch Tokyo Vice, which is basically you keep telling me this a TV show that is. A Yakuza game. 
I'm going to play then telling Lost everyone. Judgment. I'm going to watch Yakuza Vice. I'm going to get these tattoos <laughs> on my back. Whoa! It's going to be great. I'm going to get some white shoes. <laughs> get a, a maroon suit. <laughs> Look out, suit. people. Get a crazy hairstyle. Yeah. Yes, Now, exactly. uh, one of our failed predictions for the Nintendo Direct was Yakuza mm-hmm. on Nintendo Switch. Somebody asked the executive producer uh, of Yakuza what is going yeah. on about that. And he said... Uh, the Switch is too family-friendly and that the Yakuza series has an underground feeling that would not match up with that platform. I say this is nonsense. A lot of people gave examples of lots of Switch games that were not um, family-friendly, like Bayonetta and, you know, other games that are more mature. So... Bring it over. Let's see what happens. I really prefer to play Yakuza on on a scrappy you know, less known platform like PlayStation. Hopefully they can catch a break one of these days. Exactly. I don't know. But what Yeah, this was this was a fishy answer. Mm. And I feel like there's maybe more to it than just this like image stuff. I mean, who knows? I mean, there could be like legitimate technical issues that they have. I don't know. Yeah. Who but knows? Th- I, I didn't I didn't love this answer. Yeah, I feel like the I want to say like, I don't want to say excuse, but excuse of it's an excuse not bringing games to Switch because it's quote unquote family friendly or whatever is like sort of not a real reason. So. Well, it's like who's the joke on? There are so many Switch systems out there; you can make a I lot know. of money. So you're just hurting yourself. Think of the bread. I I just that cheddar cheese. Think of the yakuza cheese. Yes, the cheese be- over the curry. It could that be Kiryu so is delicious. Eating. So good, yeah. So good. <laughs> um, so that was TGS. Uh, looked like a great time. Looked like the show was back. Um, yeah, all these I went shows to TGS. are back. How many times did I go to TGS? Maybe three or four. Really fun time. And but around the time I stopped going, it it felt like the show hit a rough patch and kind of mm. lost some relevancy. I see. But this felt like a really great year. So that's a really important show. I think post. Just, globally for the industry so hopefully they right. hopefully they can keep it going post-pandemic yeah sort of yeah. feeling of <laughs> of not really post-pandemic i mean whatever of like trade shows though you know right. because i feel like pax felt like back um yeah. i never been to tgs i would love to go one of these days i think that'd be really cool um but yeah from just from photos and from people that were there it just felt like it was a, a big you know sort of reunion for a lot of people TGS, again, this is when I was probably working for Konami, was was where I first saw, with my eyes, Bill Trinan. Obviously, I knew who oh. he was. I saw him getting off of a train. We were on the same train, and I saw him getting off. I said, I know that guy. Did you run towards him with your no, arms I wide didn't. open? No, I didn't. Embrace him? <laughs> I was like, no? why is he here? Nintendo does nothing. I guess he was just checking it out. Oh. I don't know. That's all. Could have had a, a, a moment on the train platform with Bill Trinan. Yeah. It was a one-sided moment, though. Oh. Um, this next story, I was kind of oh, debating, man. like, should we even talk about this? Because it's got yeah, some yeah. really, like, shady stuff along with it. But I, I think we should, especially since so so Grand Theft Auto 6 had a major – people are calling it a leak. This is not a leak. This is a crime. This is a this hack. Is, this it's is like theft. Because Rockstar yeah. put out, you know, a statement um, today. Network intrusion. Right. They called it a network intrusion. So that's obviously very different from a leak. Yeah. Unauthorized third party illegally accessed and downloaded confidential confidential information from our systems, including early development footage for the next Grand Theft Auto. Mm. And that stuff was all over the place. You know, they've been trying to take it down. 
the person, I, I don't know. There's also a lot of stuff about like, oh, this person is trying to sell the source code and they claim I they have the that. source code. And they were trying saying, to like, like make a deal. A deal? It's yeah. so shady and terrible. Like, is, yeah. I was like, this is FBI, why. There, get no, on this. <laughs> again, this is probably somebody who is like very capable, obviously, technically. Yeah. But really didn't think through the implications of what they're doing. I mean, this person is, yeah. you know, in deep doo-doo, to put it politely. Right. It sounds like deep. They, this person ha- has been responsible for other leaks that are non-gaming related as well. So cur- clearly versed in illegal activity of right. hacking people, which is terrible. Um, and a, ga- a company like Rockstar is going to go to the furthest extent. There are some stories about how yeah. they have taken no right that, from nobody. Yeah, that is their whole mindset with this stuff. So it's just a really ugly story all around. I feel bad for the, yeah. the dev team. They it say that sucks. you know this isn't yeah. going to impact their plans for the game, but it's just a bummer. It is a bummer. It's like it's yeah. sort of one of those situations where everyone loses. You know, yeah. so it's it's really unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Poor thing. Uh, that's the news. Yeah, on to, news section. On to some questions. All right. Uh, as always, these come from our wonderful Patreon subscribers. Yes. Sign up today, why don't you? Join for the yeah, $2 tier. Ask your question here. Uh, our very first question comes from Frulio. Have you two taken any courses to improve your communication and on-camera presentation skills, or has this happened naturally as you worked on Nintendo Minute? Are there any tips you would recommend to overcome camera anxiety or public speaking anxiety? I love this question. I do too. I still have all these things, but um, I, so I think the only course or or class or whatever that you and I took while we were at Nintendo was when we had to do, we both had to do this big presentation for a big marketing conference. Um, And they did, Nintendo did like hire somebody as a speaking coach to help us like go through our, you know, our presentation. That person was actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I definitely learned a lot and it really forced me to do things like put away your slides and don't read off of them. Just, you know, the material, just do it. That was a crazy experience. So oh it gosh. was like, you get into the room and, and the lady's like, all right, I'm gonna have you do some run throughs. And you're like, all right, well I have my, you know, my notes and I'm still working on this. So yeah. it'll be fine. And she was right, like, right. You're not going to look at your notes at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, she literally confiscated your right. computer and your but notes. But little did we was, know, like we actually knew it better than we thought. That was the the main thing that I took away from that is like, you, you definitely know the material that you're presenting more than you think. And when you don't read your notes, you actually are less nervous about, you know, finding your place or whatever, which is why I think Nintendo Minute was always so much easier for me than any sort of like big presentation I had to do for work or, you know, big, um, like more like professional quote unquote speaking thing, because Nintendo Minute was never scripted. We just like, we're having a conversation with either you guys or each other and there were no notes. So it's like the notes were like tripping you up all along, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think that's really, that's really the key is like, you know it, you know? But you know, they also say fine. like, oh, you know, it takes, you know, X thousand hours to totally master something. And, you know, we did get every week, we got to practice those skills when we did Nintendo Minute. So we did have yeah. a leg up on a lot of other people who was like, well, 
I might do something like this twice a year at E3 or, or something else. Whereas it's yeah. like, we were always doing this. So it felt mm-hmm. like we were always, you know, keeping that fresh and, and always improving. As far as tips, you know, I, I do think can't, you know, doing something that's filmed or doing something that's live public speaking are pretty different. Right. Um, with the camera stuff, you know, for me at least, I, I just don't really think about all the people that are eventually watching it. And it's just like you, and, it's either. just you and I, or just you and the camera. Don't, yeah. don't think about that. So I think that makes it much easier for me where I do, I do get stressed out by like actual public speaking where there's a lot of people there. Cause it's like, right. If you make a mistake, everybody's going to see it. Right, right, exactly. We don't, we rarely, if ever, edit things out when we do these, like, you know, tape things. But for some reason, even even so, um, like, the, the, the panel for me was so much more, like, of a high-stakes thing than every oh, the week. PAX panel we did? Yeah. Yeah. Than every week sitting in front of a camera and recording, you know, a podcast or a video for... Uh, our audience like i don't know i just i forget but even that was there. that was unscripted too though the pax panel was unscripted See, it's where you it's where you have like a very like clear path to follow like if they have like a big powerpoint or something that's where i yeah. can get a little bit worried because it's like you really need to stick to it and yeah, for me yeah, it's yeah. just like you just have to rehearse and practice it that you know again you just know it inside and out that's where you can get confidence yeah that's true yeah but Anytime there's like a group of people live, I think it's definitely more nerve-wracking. Right, right. That's where it's like, you know, stuff like Reggie does is so impressive. Oh my gosh, so impressive. Because obviously, you know, he'll do the big, you know, E3 presentation, but he would do stuff like that all the time at Nintendo addressing employees. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Reggie was staying up all night to rehearse, you know, whatever he was saying at the no. all-company meeting every week. I think he was just kind of riffing it. And he, again, he had just done it so much that he just had it down. So it's absolutely a skill that you just need to, you know, Practice. refine and, and get experience with and you will get better. Exactly. Yeah. All right. This is a direct question from Garrett M30. Over the last several weeks, I have started noticing the name Jeff Grubb coming up, especially as Kit has several times mentioned him with a high opinion on the podcast as well as on Discord. Contrarily, I also noticed that the consensus in the comment section on Nintendo Life among anyone who has voiced an opinion seems to be that Mr. Grubb is not dependable. Of course, I am more likely to believe Kit than any website comment section, but it does give rise to my question, what might be the cause for such contrasting opinions on Jeff Grubb's reporting? So, you know, unfortunately, Jeff did um, take some L's on this last direct, and he actually put out um, an apology video that I watched um, over the weekend, which I thought was a, you know, very, I didn't think that was necessary of him to do, but I thought it was a big you know, a big hearted thing for him to do to just own up to some of the mistakes that he did, that he did make. And he did speak about, you know, maybe some of the flaws that he had in his process that he's going to look to shore up for next time. And, you know, maybe we'll see him being a little bit less out there with some of these predictions. But, um, you know, for me, there's a big difference between him who is out there as a reporter working for a real you know, quote, you know, news outlet or, or just a real outlet period mm-hmm. and who is using his own name and reputation versus an anonymous person on the internet saying that they know a guy. 
there's a world of difference there because, and he said this in his video, he only gets so many chances to mess up before, you know, people stop believing him or before like he becomes good at his job. You know, his, his actual job comes into question if he has too many misses like this. Right. So the standard for getting it right and, and for really evaluating your sources and the information you're getting is so different from so many of the other people out there. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think there's like a legitimacy because it, it is sort of his like livelihood and reputation that makes a huge difference. And and the the word that he used a lot in that video was process. Like he actually has a process to vet sources, to, um, you know, legitimize or quantify the information that he's getting versus like somebody who knows somebody's uncle at Nintendo and is just putting whatever it is out there under a, an anonymous online persona. So I think, um, you know, that definitely adds like this layer of legitimacy to it. Um, and yeah, I, I thought that that video was was also, you know, really well done. And, and it was, it was really like, just kind of nice to see him be very open about this. So yeah, it was, you know, some unfortunate misses on his part, but I'll continue to, you know, really pay close attention to what he's saying. Cause I do think he'll learn from that. And, and I think he'll get, get back on track again, compared to just anonymous people on the internet who come and go, who like, who is this? Is this, you know, somebody else representing several layers of other people? Like that's, I don't know. It's, it's hard to get too caught up in that. Right. Um, next question also on the direct comes from Jordan Collette. Kit mentioned pacing being one issue with the latest Nintendo direct. What other things in your opinion made it lack the wow factor of previous directs? Too many farm sims. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, I think, Oh, go ahead, please. No, no, I, I really <laughs> spoke too much about the last one. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was going to say, you know, there there were some I think definitely there were some announcements that we were all wanting to hear about. We really wanted like a bigger meteor section on Zelda. We wanted to, you know, learn more about these games that we I think collectively the collective we um had this greater interest in and besides sort of the beginning and the end, um there was sort of a lot of, it felt kind of like, for me at least, it felt kind of like, sort of like, why are we wasting our time with this when we could be dedicating more time to like a bigger reveal? Little did we know there was no bigger <laughs> reveal coming. So um, maybe that was my own sort of expectation management that that wasn't done well, but that that was sort of the, the reason why I thought it, it kind of lacked that wow factor. And also just like in that middle section with, not very much variety. Like, again, there was just like, it was like six farm sims in a row. Like if I saw another carrot being pulled, I was going to like turn off. So. <laughs> yeah. So I, I ultimately said that I thought this was a seven out of 10 direct. I thought they could, you know, not like it wouldn't have been a 10 out of 10, but I thought they could have gotten it up to maybe an eight out of 10 if they had just approached the way that it was put together a little bit differently. The pacing is one, you know, do the game, does the flow of the games make sense? Does it feel like you're building up to sort of a big finish? And I thought it really lost its way with that in the second half where they were kind of revisiting topics that we had seen before, or just sort of meandering with no point in place. It's, it's a very like, 
it's hard to nail down, but you definitely know it when you become accustomed to it. The other thing is, and this is a weird thing to be annoyed about, but there were just too many games. Like you mentioned the farm games, and there was I thought it was the same thing with the JRPGs, where they all just kind of started to blend together, and none of them right. really stood out because there were so many. So they did a disservice to all of those in the end because they didn't say, well, let's take five farm games and focus on two. And I think having you know a real purpose for every game in the direct was something that a lot of the older directs had, and I think made them a lot stronger. Whereas, like, I don't know, like, I expected at one point Mr. Koizumi to come out and say, like, you know, the Switch is the top place to play farm sims. If he had done that, (laughs) I would have understood, like, okay, you have a purpose. You want people to understand this is an important genre for you. But it was just felt like a mishmash, and they were just letting any game in. I'm sure they're, you know, they're solid games, but with a direct, you need to be a little bit discerning about what's in it and why, and I don't think they were with this one. I feel like they would have been better off with a shorter direct with less games. Like they didn't have to like pad the time to get up to 40 minutes. Sometimes I do feel like the direct team gets hung up on. I remember hearing these conversations when we were still at Nintendo and a direct was coming. It's like, oh, if we don't hit this time mark, it doesn't feel like it's substantial enough information and people are going to be disappointed, which Look at Sony's, you know, state of play. 20 minutes still had a lot of content that I don't think people were like, only 20 minutes. I'm so disappointed. It's like, why do you need to pad it up to 40 minutes with all of these games that kind of, again, sort of blended together in the middle? Yeah. Uh, Our next question is from Josh Rieg. Back in 2015, Amiibo was one of the most popular products for Nintendo, but slowly over the years became less of a focus with us Uh, Maybe now we get one or two new Amiibo every year. Well, a lot of people assume games like Amiibo Festival might have been a large contributor in the downfall of Amiibo popularity. What was the talk like from Nintendo surrounding Amiibo going from the Wii U era, where they were most popular, into the Switch era? Well, I mean, I think, you know, to be very honest, I always felt like Amiibo was sort of a stopgap product to help with the down years of Wii U where it's like, we need a little bit of extra cash flow. What can we do to get that going? I mean, and Amiibo is a good product. It's a cool product, but I just feel like now the need for that is not there. So it's become a little bit of an afterthought. I think there was also this like landscape of popularity around these like physical figures at the time. Toys to life. That's right. The toys to life genre, which is annoying. But it's like the Skylander era, the Disney Infinity era. They kind of all play Amiibo. They kind of all played off of each other to make it feel like, oh, this is like a thing. This is like a trend. This is like something to like jump on board, you know? Um, So it just felt more substantial than like Nintendo doing its like random figure thing. Um, But yeah, I would agree. I think definitely a from a business perspective it felt like we just need to make more money somehow and no one's buying a wii u or a wii u game so what other things can we do with the ip that would be interesting and yeah get us there um so yeah for sure the time has passed for amiibo probably well don't say that (laughs) that's not true oh no bring back skylanders though i want to buy that (laughs) 
Uh, next question is from Kaifi. Hopefully I pronounce this name. Kaifi123. Greetings from the UK. Something I've always wondered about Nintendo is why are they so specific with their words when they refer to their products? For example, they don't say Splatoon 3 on the Nintendo Switch. Instead, they say the Splatoon 3 game for the Nintendo Switch family of systems, which seems a bit <laughs> verbose. If you're allowed to share the reason why they speak like this, I'm very curious to know. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like only NOA does this. NOE does not seem as specific generally. Any ideas as to why this could be? Well, we definitely uh, can tell you about this. It was something that we struggled with as we tried to make Nintendo Minute videos or even like the podcast, the Nintendo Power podcast, very conversational. And our legal team would shake their fist at us and make us say the blah, blah, blah video game for the blah, 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 family of systems, um, which made it very uh, non-conversational, but it, it ultimately was a legal directive. And, and the reasoning behind it is that if you don't say the name properly like this, you could lose the trademark, basically. Like, for example, they would give us examples like um, how people use uh, brands like Band-Aid as just a generic word for a bandage, like Oh, I need a Band-Aid. Band-Aid is actually a brand. So when you say that as a meaning for every kind of bandage, it loses its effectiveness. And they didn't want that to happen to any of Nintendo's products. So we had to say it this very specific way. And I think it's definitely like a U.S. trademark IP thing. So that's probably why you didn't see it as much in other countries. Yeah, but that was, was so very cumbersome. that yeah. they noticed the difference between the regions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We never... Loved having to do this, to be honest. It was always very yeah. annoying. Yeah. <laughs> it was very awkward. <laughs> uh, let's move ahead to Tales of Link has a question. Uh, as much as I love Breath of the Wild, I've been wondering what ideas Nintendo has had for improving off of that game with their upcoming sequel ever since the teaser launched back that E3 Direct in 2019. When I saw the trailer for the sequel last year, I was blown away with what was revealed. Link exploring Hyrule, both on land and on the sky. Link's arm looking different, but also giving him the ability to pass through stone platforms from underneath. And for a brief moment, you could see him facing off against a stone talus sub-boss housing an outpost with three bokoblins on it. And I thought, that'll certainly sh shake things up. My question for you is what improvements off of Breath of the Wild are you hoping for in the sequel? I'm hoping that Link will finally be able to pet the doggos or even hug them. Oh, yes, that would be really nice. I love the doggies in Breath of the Wild. Um, you know, Breath of the Wild is a near perfect game, honestly. Like, just, I, but I think one thing that has an advantage for Breath of the Wild is that it was so new and different compared to other Zelda games. Like, that whole, you know, very kind of this, this different kind of open world vibe and, um, the departure from a traditional Zelda game when you first experienced it in Breath of the Wild, it was like this fresh surprise. So I'd be interested to see how they can do that again, capture that sort of magic. Now that we are used to a game like Breath of the Wild, like how can they maintain that element of like, this doesn't feel like, you know, a typical Zelda game. So I hope that there's going to be some surprises in here. I think the exploration that you're noting in your question is something that I'm really excited about, like just opening up the world of um, Hyrule even more and, and, you know, seeing that from different angles and perspectives could be really interesting. 
Um, I hope that they do more of the story too. I love those memories from Breath of the Wild, but I thought that there was not enough of them. Like, I want to know more about Link and Zelda's relationship and her her relationship with her father and like all the other characters in the game. So maybe there's more to that as well for us to discover in the in the next one. Yeah, I don't expect this to totally shake up Breath of the Wild, and I think that's okay. <clears throat> I think, you know, hopefully the aerial stuff will add a lot of the layer to the traversal and the exploration, which was already great. Um, I've always wanted, this is a small thing, but something I would have loved in Breath of the Wild is outside of the main game, just sort of like a, a daily challenge that they could do, you know, where you would get it online and it would just be a, a fun thing for you to do. You know, once you've beaten the game, that could be a really great reason to keep people keep people coming back and exploring mm-hmm. and playing it in different ways than they haven't before. Um, one question, one thing I see people talking about now is the weapon durability. Ah, yes. I didn't, I didn't mind that mechanic, uh, but it seems like a lot of people did. Krista, how did you feel about that? Um, I didn't mind it that much either. Uh, I thought that that gave you just more reason to collect keep collecting and keep picking things up. I did, you know, towards the end when I did get the master sword, I was just kind of using that all the time though. So maybe if there's more of a reason, more of a purpose to use some of the other weapons, um, you know, it, it would feel like it'd be worth it even more to collect them, to hold on to them, to, you know, to like, keep keep on the lookout for them because I, I would just keep going back to the master sword and, and not really use any other weapons since I got that. So yeah. All right. Our last question is from Zroid. Hey Kit and Krista, two part question here. Part one, what size micro SD card do each of you currently use on your switch? How many times have you needed to upgrade? I started with 64 gig and then upgraded to 200 gig and now have 512. Wow. Whoa. Part two. <laughs> well let's do part one first. Uh, I still actually have the humble 128 gig card that I got when I got my switch. I think I do too. I'm pretty Same good size? about ar- yeah. I'm pretty good oh, about wow. archiving my stuff though. So that's probably why. Yeah, that's the thing is as long as you're actively archiving things, that is a perfectly manageable size to have. Yeah. And frankly, like that's a super cheap like thing to get. At, the, at it this is point, so really cheap. Um, I, I do. Do you sometimes get like hesitation to archive something? Like uh, I don't, but I know I might you be do. playing this again at some point. I know. I, I certainly do. You do. You do. There's yeah. Like, you have like it's like the same as like how I throw things away and you don't. Well, especially um, when it's like a really big game where it's like, oh, if I wanted to go back to this, that would be another a big download that I need to like. I could get hung up if it's like oh, I'm going to play like you know. <laughs> this game and then it's like, Oh, I don't have it. And I spend all night downloading it and then I'm just annoyed. I don't know. Yeah. I I don't care. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, part two. (laughs) Sorry. With games sizes becoming more and more bloated to a ridiculous degree on other platforms. If the next Nintendo hybrid console is aiming to support most multi-platform releases, it's probably going to need a ton of storage. What do you think would be a reasonable amount to have on board bearing cost in mind? Of course. One million gigs. Just kidding. Whoa. Um, yeah. How much does PlayStation 5 have? Uh, does that have a terabyte? I have a digital only, too. So how much does mine have? Yeah, I mean, those, <laughs> no. those games are, are very massive. large. Huge. See, that, that feels like... With the Switch, it's so easy to get more storage through the SD card. 
when I first heard about the 32 gig limit, I was like, oh, that's terrible. But it's so easy to do that. Whereas with the PlayStation, there's a lot of legwork to like, you can add more and you can, you can swap out that drive, but it's not easy to do. I wouldn't want to no. do that myself. You, ha- you can like also offload it onto another, like an external drive. I think. Yeah. But I feel but that pretty sounds like, bad. I feel pretty locked into that, to that drive that's already there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, if they have another system that lets you just use those cards really conveniently. I wouldn't really be too worried about the size of what the, the base has. Yeah, um, totally. Because I think most people like this solution. Yeah, and it's like easy for you to choose. You know, like I was just, one of the rare people. Like said. Yeah, I was one of the rare people that had a, a hard drive for my Wii U, oh my which <laughs> um, that worked okay. Oh god! But but this is definitely a better way to do it. That sounds bad. Why? What if that hard drive? That brought? storage was really that was really inadequate. Was Obviously, really I wasn't buying right. as many digital games then as I was now, but that right, right. that wasn't cutting it. No. No. All right. All right. We have come to the end of our questions. You know what time it is now. Superstar shout out time. That's right. I'm going to start. Are you ready? Yes, please. Aaron Hash. Ben Eichhorn. Maru Mayhem. Hurts. Eigenverse. From Raul with love. Jordan Collette. Kiss my flapjack. Mike Chin. Mr. Rogers. Paul Gale Network. Rain Tech. Roy Eschke. Simon Barrera. Switching it up, underscore. Cephazon. The Shark Among Men. And VGM Life. Woo! Hooray! All right, on to our one-up club graduation ceremony. I will begin again. Are you ready? I am. A. Ron Burgundy. Adam Edwards. Jean Malari. Ale Alejandro. Alexandra Pratt. Andre NYH. Angela Bycroft. Bagel. Bookum Dano. Brad SF56. Bruce Dash. Chancellor Fairley. Christian. Christopher Lay. Cozy Tar. Captain Cinnamon Buns. Captain Alex. C. Roper 17. Daniel Cold. Daniel Valencia. Dachshund. Doodoo Face. Douglas Chomix. Dustin E. Dino Punch. Elite Peach. Esparts 50. Ezrato. Furbound. Fred Rossi. Gar. Garrett Hullfish. Ian Shea. Israel or Izzy. Jay Rando. Jabroni Jones. Jackie Z. JK99. JBJ. Jeff Yoakum. Jesse Hernandez. Jim Wakelet. John Responte. Jonathan Rowe. Jordan Hemmerly. Joseph DeHayes. Joshua Clements. Juji Fruit. Just Camtro. Kai Comercio. Kawa 2796. Kelp Shake. Kevin Delane. K Madman TV. Krista Roddy Kid. Christopia Party with me. <gasps> Kyle Gamer. Barry Rookie. Sorry. <laughs> Kyle Kretzer. Kyle LaBeouf. Kyler Nelson. 
Linnell Stickman. Lego my Frogo. Link. Hashtag Christorati. Lit. Lucas Pico. Malfrink. Mamu. Marky Man 64. Matthew Rewald. Mecha Dragon 101. Megan. Michael Cravens. Michael Mazer. Mikey. Murph. Mytran. Nazar. Nodnarb. Panda Buns. Pastel Prince. Patreon user. Piano Psychopath. Prince Charmless. P.S. Wee. Reaver. Ray Charon. Ray Clausen. Rayuji Utsuho Oku'u. Renee Rivers. R.J. Kern. Rob Osborne. Rocks. Ryan Hayes 521. Rianetta. Sam Newland. Sheer Cold Vanilla. Shinru. Slowbro. Schmiggles. Spicy Munchkin. Steel Citron. Sunscreen. The Number Nine Door. Thomas Alvarez. Troopage. Tugs Puppy Bear. Tyler Roddy Geistopian. Video Game Stupid. Beautiful Dandy. Virtual Bot. Wicked Davy. Will Ernst. Zudiverf. Zelgaroth. And Zen! Nice. Wow. We have grown in numbers, people. Which what is a very group. exciting. And more Z names. That is just not, not only Zen. We got, we got another Z name joining Who the Who is going to be here. the last name on here? <laughs> it's a race to Z. It's a race to Z. Zed. As they Zed, say. as they Zed. would say in, in your part of the world now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, that was really fun. It was so nice, again, to catch up with Reggie. Tons of news. It definitely feels like E3 in September this week, and I'm a little tired from it, honestly. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun. Yes. And uh, you'll be back. We'll be back in person next week, right? We will be back in person next Wonderful. week. Wonderful. Exactly. Yes. Well, don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Krista. You can ask questions. You can join our Patreon-only Discord. There's bonus Q&As. There's monthly meetups, which we're going to have soon when I come back um, for, the, for our one-up club members. And it's a ton of fun. So hopefully, hopefully we'll see you guys there. Don't forget to follow us on our other social media channels. We are on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And that's it. Indeed. Go. Sure it's is. It's very late now here. It's very dark. <laughs> it's time, for time. time for fondue? Time for reclat. All right. We will see you guys later. Bye. Bye.